Hi, I'm Paul W.S. Anderson, director of Resident Evil and the brand new movie Monster Hunter. And you're listening to Spoiler Country. Hey, hey, people of Earth, it's time to enter the Spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Kenrick. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on Spoilerverse.com. But... If you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcaster, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us or use the voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. Republic of Spoilerverse. Welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenneth Regan. That, that right there is Mr. Horsley. And <laughs> this is like, I haven't done intro in like two weeks. In a while. Yeah. Maybe longer because I've been, been moving. I've been having a lot of stuff going on. So this feels good. This feels real good. I don't have my, I don't have the sound treatment up in my, uh, my little place yet. So I might be a little. No, but you sound you sound better than our, our 500 episode on your phone. Nice, yeah. Well, it is what it is. But today on the show, uh, this is a big <laughs> one because it's Paul W. S. Anderson. Yeah, it's the director of Resident Evil, Event Horizon, and the upcoming Monster Hunter, Mortal Kombat, which I know is one of your favorite movies. Of the '90s, it really is. I, I yes, and I know you. I know you don't like that movie. <laughs> it's not that I yeah, <laughs> as much as me. The, yeah, I don't like it as much as you. I, I think what it is with that movie is I wanted the gore. Right. I wanted, wanted the movie R-rated Mortal Kombat, like the game. Yeah, the game a PG thirteen. Yeah, the game, and, and I don't. I'm not. The game is a very graphic game, and to me, it's mm-hmm. like, how do you make a movie and not have it that graphic? But for me, when it came out, I was like 13. It yeah, was perfect. It was perfect. <laughs> it was perfect. And after talking to Paul, I got to tell you, um, you know, what he what what he did with it was exactly what had to be done. And it's now yeah, gone down. Yeah, no. it, and regardless of my opinion, because my opinion don't matter, it has gone down as one of the greatest video game adaptations ever. So right. right. You know. And I'm a I'm a I'm a big fan of the of the Resident Evil movie series. I love those movies. Oh they're my so, god. They're so fun. Mila Jovovich is so good in those. She is like, oh man, she is, she's an action superstar. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of weird. You think about all she the really movies is. she's done and how well she is in them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, who who do you equate with her when it comes to that? Uh, the the only name that comes to mind is 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 the Charlize Theron. But I I don't even think it, I I don't think. But even then, but even then, yeah. But even like, then, okay, let me put it yeah. this way. You know the the. Sylvester Stallone movies, the, uh, the Expendables, huh? The Expendables. Yeah, she should be in those. That's she how, should be. In that's those, how absolutely. I think of Mila Jovovich when it comes to the level of action star she is. To me, she should be in the Expendables. Right. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. It's like mm, I agree. I love. Did you see that movie? Uh, was it? What's it called? Violet? No, not Violet. Ultraviolet. Ultraviolet. Yeah. Yes. I, I love, love that, that movie. movie. It's so, so corny. Oh, I love it. I, I love it. Did you watch <laughs> Joan of Arc messenger? I the did. Messenger. I love that one too. I, 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 I can't think of a, a movie she's in. I don't like her. And I, also, I, I can't think of a movie that Paul Anderson directed. I didn't like either. So yeah, I can't think of one that he's directed that I, that I say I hate it. You know what I mean? Right. I like all of them. The only one that I, I would be like, the only thing I don't like is, I wanted more gore out of out of. I should have asked him about that with Mortal Kombat, and I didn't. Should have, should have. But we're gonna get into this interview right now, and the one thing I want people to realize is when you listen to Paul, realize he's a big geek. You know, yeah. he's doing these video game movies because he really loves video games. <laughs> you know, and he plays them like crazy. And we talk about Resident Evil, and we talk about Monster Hunter, and we talk about a lot of stuff. So. 
What do you say, John? Should we just get into this? Let's do it, man. Let's do it. All right. Here's Paul Anderson. Paul W.S. Anderson. In his own words. guys welcome back thank you so much he wrote the 2008 film death race one of my favorites he took us on a ride to hell in space and he brought resident evil to the masses and now he's hunting monsters paul ws anderson welcome to spoiler country buddy thank you so much yeah i appreciate you coming on this is exciting so exciting i bef- i have to apologize i just bought a brand new house and i'm just setting up my studio and so the sound treatments haven't been done yet. So if I sound a little echoey, I apologize for that. <laughs> Listen, I've spent, I've spent half of my career shooting in tight, claustrophobic underground spaces. So I know all about bad acoustics. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> good, 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 good. Man, you got a brand new movie coming out this Christmas. I sure do. And Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry- happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy Christmas. Man, what is it like? I got to ask you right off the bat. What is it like to work with your wife? She has become an action superstar in so many words, in so many ways. Does she make your job easy or does she make it hard because she expects more out of you now? Well, listen, she's definitely demanding, but I mean, she's amazing. You know, I love working. I love working with her. I think to to be able to do what you love with the person you love is a real gift. And I, I love every single day of it. There's nothing like I mean, with your best friend. Yeah, it's been It's been fantastic. And will continue to be fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just great. I mean, she's very, very supportive. You know, Mila really gives her all to every single role that she jumps into. Yeah. I think any director is very, very lucky to have her on board on their movie. So, you know, I consider myself a lucky man that I get to work with her. Man, she was so good in Messenger, Joan of Arc. Mm-hmm. I, I, think I, I think I was, at the time I was married and we watched that movie. I kid you not, we watched it three times. We watched it once every week for three weeks in a row. And it was fantastic. Yeah. So amazing, amazing performance from her. Some amazing imagery. Yeah. I mean, all the sun, sunflowers and everything. <laughs> I love the scene where those cannonballs would shoot out the bottom of the castle. Yeah. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. And just like tear people's legs off. Oh. I don't know how, I, I don't know whether that was historically accurate, but I, <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> There's a scene where somebody gets their head cut off and she's climbing up the ladder. It was like, oh my God. <laughs> it was so good. So the only thing, the only thing I will say about that movie for me that I found very confusing as an Englishman, and you know we did burn Joan of Arc, was the accents because they, they, it was like they had English people played by French people and French people played by French people as well. So it was, you know, this Joan of Arc, she is, uh, she's awful. We must get her. <laughs> You're like, oh right, <laughs> the accent's just a little off. <laughs> yeah, just just a touch. It's not very not very Downton Abbey. It's like John Wayne playing Genghis Khan. Yeah, <laughs> that was the weirdest movie. Did you ever watch that? Yes, yes, of course. Poor, yeah, well, the mo- the movie that killed John Wayne as well. That's why he got cancer, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> no, it was because he was. They shot it. They shot it in basically. They shot in the, the deserts uh, where they tested the atomic bombs. And you know, John Wayne was such a he was such a big you know, believer in the American military and America in general, that when he was, when he was told it was safe by some officials, he's like, it's safe. safe. We're going, we're going into the irradiated desert. Nuclear, nuclear power is good. That's so weird. My grandfather was a golf buddy of his. They played like every Tuesday for 10, 15 years. Are you there? Yeah. 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 Can you still hear me? Yeah. Yeah. There you are. Yeah. I was just, I was just thinking about playing golf with John Wayne. How fabulous that would have been. (laughs) would have been weird, right? It would have been awesome. Yeah. My sister got to meet him. I never got to meet him. But my sister got to meet him twice on the golf course. I was like, well, I didn't even know about it until because my, my grandfather died when I was very young. So I didn't even know about it until just a few years ago. It's kind of weird. So Monster Hunter, this is going to be an exciting movie, man. I know I've, I've watched some of your, your previous interviews, and I know that you were a big fan of Monster Hunter while it was really just known in Japan like 12 years ago. And then that's right. I, I played it when it was really, I was in Tokyo and a friend of mine turned me onto it. And it was really at that point, a Japanese only phenomena outside of Japan. Almost no one had heard of monster hunter. Yeah. And I played it and I immediately fell in love with it. I mean, I became obsessed with trying to turn it into a movie because 
the the landscapes and the amazing giant creatures and the ecosystem that they inhabited i just thought was was beautiful and and staggering and it really was was jaw dropping yeah. i mean you play the game for the first time and you you can't believe how detailed it is and how Very how amazing how amazing these creatures look yeah you know i'm a, i'm a big fan of like monster movies in general and uh, you know I, I I felt when I played this, there's a chance to make a great, great monster movie here, but with these monsters that no one has ever seen before. You know, everyone, everyone knows what King Kong looks like or what Godzilla looks like or what a T-Rex looks like. But uh, these creatures like the Black Diablos, I mean, the Nasilla, these are insane looking creatures that that a general audience has never got their eyes on before. So yeah, it's it's a real passion project of mine. 12 years in the making. I, I played the game and almost immediately started to talk to Capcom about turning it into a movie. How do you how, how do you even start that conversation with them? I mean, do you have to have people in line and say, I want to make this movie, look at my track record, let's make this happen. And then to take a decade, basically, or more than a decade to get to this, how do you even keep that alive? Well, it started, uh, it started very nicely, which was I went out for dinner with some of the folks from Capcom when we were shooting... Resident Evil Afterlife. Yeah. And they were visiting Toronto where we were shooting. And, uh, you know, I started talking to them about it. And obviously, you know, they were very happy with Resident Evil and became even happier with it when it became the most successful video game adaptation ever. Yeah. You know, $1.3 billion worth of business. So, I mean, I think they felt that the, the movie would be in a safe pair of hands. But, you know, Monster Hunter was... It was their crown jewels. You know, they, they, they weren't going to let it go without, you know, putting me through some testing, which, you know, so there were hoops I had to jump through, which I was happy to. And, uh, you know, one of the, the main things I've done and Monster Hunter has helped me do is forge a really strong relationship with the creators of the game, with Sujimoto-san and Fujioka-san, the producer and director of the game, because, you know, these are the men who created this world. And, and I was so impressed with the world when I first saw it in the game that I just wanted to be as accurate as possible when I was putting it on screen. Oh, that's awesome. So it's been it's been a very long and very fruitful relationship. You know, lots of trips for them to come to America, lots of trips for me to go to Tokyo. You know, I would uh, show them all of the stuff we were doing. They got to see every costume design, every weapon design, you know, every creature down to what the creature's toenails look like. Yeah. There's one, there's one scene, and bits of it have been in some trailers, where the Diablos bursts out of the sand yep. for the first time, and you see it, and the, the monster looks stunning. And Fujioka-san was, ah, oh, his fingernails aren't right. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, you're looking at his fingernails. He's gonna like, he's gonna eat everybody. He's gonna rip Ti's head off. <laughs> but you know, they he was he was honing in on the very fine details. Yeah. And I was so I was so grateful for that because you know we we listened to every single note he gave. We acted on it and. I think we we put these creatures on screen as accurate as it's possible. And uh, I think that for the fans of the game, they will love it because, you know, the creators of the game certainly love it. And then for people who don't know the game, you know, it's a really fun action popcorn movie where people hunt big monsters. So what's not to like about that? I love that. I love it. I know <clears throat> studying some of, this, some of your past stuff, I know that you can be very tactile as opposed to green screen. When you do a movie like Monster Hunter or even Resident Evil or Event Horizon, how do you keep that fine line between a tactile special effect and a green screen time? Well, I, I was very lucky early on in my career to work uh, with the great Richard Urasich, who had worked. Uh, he was my visual effects supervisor on Event Horizon and then nice. on the first Resident Evil. And he he had worked on 2001, and he'd worked on Blade Runner. You know, he'd done all the the miniature opening shots of Blade Runner wow. that looks so good still today. Yeah, they, think about how old that, that movie up. is. Yeah, and it it really holds up. You know, whereas you know even the best cutting edge CG from five years ago starts to look a little ropey. Yep. You know, this stuff still looks magnificent. And I asked Richard about his approach to visual effects, and he said, you know, my favorite kind of visual effect has no visual effects in it. And that would always be his mantra was he would always push to do things practical. He said, yeah, you know, you can do it as a visual effect, but wouldn't it be great if we could just do it for real? And, uh, you know, that obviously there are times when you can't, but he led me down a path where I try and do as much possible real as, as I possibly can do 
before resorting to green screens and visual effects. Yeah. So on Event Horizon, that meant deep uncomfort, lots of discomfort for the actors because they were constantly hanging upside down and being twisted around on wires. The construction of lots of big sets, because I'd rather build a massive set than do lots of set extensions. Right. And, uh, you know, that's continued through my career to the point where we did Monster Hunter, where, you know, I was determined basically to have no green screens if possible. And uh, we shot on a sound stage for two days. We shot against a green screen for one day, and pretty much everything else was on location. Wow! Without without green screens, and uh, these locations were insane because the the world of Monster Hunter looks insane. It's a fabulous looking yeah. world, and we needed the uh, we needed some of the most dramatic looking landscapes on Earth to achieve that world. And I thought I'd rather go and shoot the dramatic landscapes for real then go the easy route, which is shoot it all on a studio backlot against a green screen and create it in a computer. Right. That's because if you if you shoot it for real, it's just real. Yeah. And as Richard said, you can't get any better than that. And uh, as a consequence, you know, because I knew we had to do the monsters in Monster Hunter CG, you know, if, if anyone would let me breed giant monsters and have them really fight, <laughs> I, I, that would be my first choice. But no one... No one at Sony was allowing me to do that, unfortunately. So, so the monsters had to be visual effects. But, you know, because the landscapes are all for real, yeah. the animators had reality to lock the creatures into. So any one shot you're looking at, you know, 80% of it is real to start with because the landscape is real. Then the creature is 20% CG in the shot. But that, that CG is locked into reality. It's into real dust, real lens flare, yeah. real wind you know, real lighting, you know, none of it is is kind of bogus on a back lot created from scratch. Yeah. And, you know, the, the downside of that is the movie was, uh, was incredibly difficult to shoot because I discovered all of these amazing landscapes were basically in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so uh, we would, the entire, cast, the entire cast and crew ended up uh, living in these tent villages, you know, 200 miles from the nearest habitation. Oh, my God. In, in pretty extreme circumstances because we realized why we were 200 miles away from the nearest town or village because these environments while beautiful and stunning they were very inhospitable there's, yeah. a, there's a reason why no one built anything there <laughs> you know we'd we'd go from you know insane like 120 130 degrees fahrenheit oh my God. during the day to sub-zero freezing during the night with you know incredible dust storms that would come up and blow all the tents away I mean, it was real. It was adventurous filmmaking, but you see, you see that on screen. I think it gave the movie a feeling of reality that we just wouldn't have been able to get the, otherwise. The trailers, Paul, look amazing. Like amazing. I, I cannot wait to see this movie. And I was like, when I when I first heard about Monster Hunter coming out, I was like, how are they going to do this? I mean, it's going to look like Godzilla, you know, and which isn't bad. But I was just like, it's going to be. Another. And then when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, this is a whole new game. And I, well, it was very interesting when, while we were shooting, we were in the middle of principal photography and when, or just towards the end, when Godzilla King of Monsters came out and, and, and it got a lot of flack for like doing a lot of creature stuff in the dark or in the rain, yep. in the fog, you couldn't see anything. Uh, it was all underwater. And, you know, we, while we do have some stuff that's, you know, dark sure you know a lot of the movie i would say 80 percent of it is shot in the broad daylight and you see the creatures in the broad daylight and awesome. you know that's a fabulous thing because you there's nowhere to hide when you do that the cg has to be amazing so you, you got and, some, uh, you got some great people on this movie what was working with tony jaw like because man ung bak came out and he just kind of blew up out of nowhere of this amazing martial artist you know and this guy that just does some crazy stuff on film and then you're bringing him into Monster Hunter, and I feel like it's his first American movie, I, I guess it'd be safe to say. It's certainly the first time he's been a lead in, in an American, you know, big budget studio yeah. film. And uh, I mean, what was it like? It was a dream come true. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Tony Jaa's um, from the first time I saw him in Ong Back, yeah. where the guy basically revolutionized fight choreography by just going, you know, enough of these wires, let's just do the whole thing for real. <laughs> and and that that was, and he's he's still exactly the same. You know, this is a guy who does backflips for fun and uh, incredibly athletic and incredibly positive. 
And, you know, we'd, we'd do some really elaborate fight scenes that we assumed would require some wires. And he'd go, well, you know, let me just try that without a wire. Yeah. And bam, he would just do it. I mean, the guy can defy gravity, which is, which is great because when you look at the size of the swords and the bows that he has to use in the movie, because these oversized weaponry are a, a feature of Monster Hunter, it's great he can defy gravity because they're almost impossible to pick up and wield. Oh, man, the guy is so good. But Somehow, somehow he and Ron Perlman managed it. That's awesome. Oh, man, you got T.I. on there. And the first time I saw T.I. actually act was in the movie ATL. And he did great. Mm-hmm. And then he's been in a lot of stuff since then. And he's always really good. But you, you told a funny story, and I'm hoping you can reenact it for or tell us again. T.I. takes notes, and he'll put N.A. next to things. Yeah, um, that. I've seen that in quite a few actors' scripts, to be honest, in the movies I've made. Yeah. And it usually, it's, it's either N-A or N-A-R. It basically stands for no acting or no acting required. <laughs> and it's because it goes back to me trying to, you know, put the actors in reality as much as possible. Yeah. Is sometimes they'll be in such extreme situations that no acting is required. You know, you, you can just be panicked and scared for real. And, and I think, I think, allowing the actors to be in these real environments. I mean, it was it was challenging for them, but everyone was incredibly positive about it. Yeah. Because as, you know, Mila would say and Tip would say and Diego Bonetta, who'd just come off a big green screen movie, so, they all said the same thing, which is, you know, when you're acting in front of a green screen, you just, you have to imagine so much and it's very hard to be in the moment. And then sometimes the visual effects get done and they're not quite what you imagined and then you wish, oh, I wish I'd done something different. Right. When you're in a real environment that is is difficult, you know, with the real dust and the real wind and the real, you know, African sun in your eyes, it it elevates the acting and it it allows the actors, I think, to kind of cut through to the performance rather than thinking about the, the acting part of it. You know, yeah, they can just get straight get straight to it. You know, there's a whole level that if you're in front of a green screen, you have to imagine so much before you can get to the performance that kind of it's liberating being being in these situations. Well, you, and there's you got there, there was one scene. There was one scene in particular where I think all of the actors thought there was no acting required. Yeah, where we we built this this set that would revolve. It's uh, the interior of a Humvee, and uh, we locked all the actors in, and then basically the Humvee was built on a spit like you would have with a roast chicken yeah. over a barbecue. And then we just, we put all the actors in there and then we just started spinning that thing round and round and round. Did throw up? Stuff inside. And I mean, it was, it was horrific. Did anybody? It was very, it was very, very unpleasant. Did anybody and, um, he's doing that? Oh my God. It certainly <laughs> felt like it. They're ready. You know, I, I would never, I would never ask an actor to do something that I wouldn't personally do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I went in that thing and it was just horrifying, <laughs> you know, it's a, it was horrifying. I mean, it was like, Oh my God. It's like the word, like if you, I'm not a big fan of kind of like roller coasters right. and, and Either am I. you know, but it, if you, if you imagine like the worst of six flags, magic mountain distilled, <laughs> into just 30 seconds of pure terror. You know, that was pretty like much what it was like. Hunter game ride ready to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That's, it sounds like you have an amazing cast. I mean, Ron Perlman, Mila, Tony Jaw. I think you said Diego. Oh yeah. Megan Good as well. I mean, it, it was, a, it was a fabulous cast I, and, and all really positive people as well. Cause yeah. that's the thing about, you know, when you, you know, you, you're working, you're living in tents, you're working in the middle of nowhere, there's no cell phone, there's no internet, you know, it, it, people have to really get on. Otherwise, you know, the wheels can fall off the wagon very, very quickly, because there's no escape. Can't go back to your hotel and uh, go out for dinner and try and forget about your horrible day that you had on set. Right. Because your <laughs> dinner is served in a tent with all the people you spent the day with, and you spent the last two months with. Oh my. But it, because the actors were all so positive and so into the movie, it really built a fantastic kind of camaraderie and team spirit yeah. that was quite quite unlike any other movie I've experienced. Oh, more like a family. And uh, I was just doing, uh, Mila and I were just doing some press with Diego the other day. And uh, it was wonderful, you know, just to see him. And uh, we became we became very close friends with, with people on this movie. Oh, that's so nice. I love that. I got to ask, you created 
what you brought to the screen, Resident Evil. To me, for for my money, Paul, that's that's my favorite video game adaptation of all time. And I love that game. When it came out, I, I ran a video store. And so I took a Sony PlayStation home because <laughs> we rented them out. And I just took it home, took the game home and just played and played and played. And I absolutely fell in love with that game. And so when that came out, I was so cons- worried that it wasn't going to give me the feeling of that game all over again. And you you nailed it. You totally did it. And what drew you for that franchise? Was it the game itself? Were you playing the game when it came out? And you're like, I got to make this or... It was an it was an experience not unlike yours, to be honest. I stumbled across Resident Evil, and I played the game in my apartment. I played Resident Evil One and Two, yep, back to back, and I didn't answer my phone. I didn't leave my apartment. I think all my friends were terribly worried about me, and because uh, no one could contact me, my family. It's like, oh, what's going on with Paul? And then I emerged like a week later because <laughs> I, you know, not I'm not the the best video game player in the world. It took me a while. Yeah, but I, you know, I hadn't shaved, I hadn't slept, so I've got like I got beard, I've got like red <laughs> eyes, and I'm going, oh my god, this is amazing. We have to turn this into a movie, and uh, that was that was the beginning of Resident Evil for me. It was really, you know, I passionately fell in love. I love it with the game, and, and the same same thing about Monster Hunter, and the same thing about my first American movie, Mortal Kombat. You yeah. Know, I, I, I've, I've done all three of those theater. because I loved, loved, loved the games that they were based upon. I like that you took that video game and, and made a cohesive story out of it more than just what the video game offered you. Even though there was, I mean, the characters were there. You wouldn't, you wouldn't play that game or choose different characters if they didn't have some kind of background that you wanted to be a part of and, and liked, I feel. On Mortal Kombat? Yeah, on Mortal Kombat. And I uh, you did a good oh, job bringing it to the screen. Uh, uh, of course, I mean, that, that it, you know, when, when I, when I got involved in that, you know, it was, like I said, it was my first Hollywood movie, yeah. but at that time, you know, I was, I was going to take meetings at New Lime with Mike DeLuca and people were saying, uh, video game movie, Ugh, why don't I do something like that? Yeah. It's just, ugh. you know, that people really look down on it and I was really offended by that. I'm like, I love Mortal Kombat. Yeah. I think it's fantastic and I'm going to make a fantastic movie out of it. And and we did, but you know people were very against video game movies then because I think they'd been Double Dragon and they'd been Super Mario and yeah neither had really worked creatively or commercially, and uh, so there was this feeling the video game adaptations don't work, but you know that was for me that was exactly the same mantra as that I heard in Hollywood when people said oh female led action movies don't work, and I I just thought it was bullshit you know just because there hadn't been a great video game movie up until that point. Uh, or there hadn't maybe in America been a great female-led action movie for a while. Right. You know, you can't just write off an entire genre of cinema. Yeah, I, f- I kind of felt like Luke Besson really brought the female action star with La Femme Nikita. I thought he, he nailed it, and it kind of proved that it can it can be done. And then when you brought out Resident Evil with Mila as the, the lead playing Alice, it was like, well, now there's no excuses. You know, you guys, it was completely obvious that you know, those women kick the shit out of everybody and it's a <laughs> lot of fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Have we seen the last Resident Evil movie? Do you think? Are you oh, I, I know there, there's going to be more Resident Evil movies oh, for sure, but right. um, not, not ones that I'm involved in. Right. You think not even as a producer, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a brand and Hollywood loves brands. So I'm sure, you know, there'll be, there, there's a lot of Resident Evil that's going on there. But for me, you know, I did, I did six movies, $1.3 billion. You know, I, I've, I've done my bit for Resident Evil yeah. and, uh, you know, I, I fell in love with Monster Hunter and for me, I'm kind of all in on that. Awesome. You know, that's what my, that's when I always worry when I talk to somebody that's a, you know, either somebody that has a lot of creative control of a franchise. I always worry when they have three or four different things going on. I love when I hear I'm all in on this because this is what I want to do. And that just means that those, what you're working on is going to have hundred percent Paul in it. And, and that's what we want. So I'm excited. I guess. Yeah. I've never been, I've never been one to kind of like spread myself too thin because you know, I, I love the process of filmmaking Yeah, and you know, I, I love being all in on something. And for Monster Hunter, it's been a long journey and you know, not just a, the 12 years since I played the video game to actually develop it and get it in front of cameras. But the actual process of making it as well was a long one because, yeah. you know, there was finding all these incredible locations. There was 
physically getting to them. And, and then in the post-production as well, it's been a very long post because I'm sure you're familiar with a lot of kind of big visual effects movies and the way that, you know, the post quite often gets done very fast. You'll have six months and, you know, you've got to do 1,500 visual effects shots in six months. It's very hard to get everything great if, if you do it that fast because you have, you know, you have your shooting crew and then you have your post-production crew and all of these poor animators, you know, if, you're, if they're working 12 hours a day, seven days a week, you just can't, you know, you can't keep the level of quality up. Yeah. And with Dennis Baradi, our visual effects supervisor, who's also a producer on this movie, we made a very, I thought, a very sensible and but quite bold decision, which is we're just going to take a year to do the visual effects on this. Yeah. Let let's let let the crew work at a really you know work fast, but let's not just punish them with kind of endless overtime and 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 like no weekends off. Let's get the best out of them by, you know, allowing them to work reasonable hours so that every every hour they're sitting immersed in the Monster Hunter world is the most creative hour they can possibly give us. And, uh, you know, and I think that's reflected in the look of the creatures. I, I think they look fantastic. Yeah. Well, you the know, trailers, I can't, I, honestly, I can't wait to see this movie because the trailers look amazing. And I love monster movies. So that it just right off the bat, I was like, oh, my God, I'm so excited for this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tweeted it out to everybody. I was like, hey, "Have you seen this?" <laughs> I can't wait. I know, I know that you're you're a very busy man, especially right now with it coming close to release. I just got a couple more questions for you, but if there's any chance I can get you back on, because I have a million questions for you, Paul. You, you've done so much, and I love the way you do things. I've noticed in your movies, uh, like Death Race, when you wrote Death Race, that. The, the script has a very distinct beat to it. And I'm always curious when you're writing, are you listening to music and does it have a, a, a real big influence in your writing process and even in going into your directing process? I definitely listen to a lot of music when I write. When I was writing Death Race, I was listening to a lot of Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> that so uh, there's a lot of... There's a lot of Trent Reznor in, in Death Race, which probably wouldn't, wouldn't surprise you. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And then <laughs> when you watch Event Horizon, the there's the color in that movie is very distinct. Like the greens and the reds and even the blacks. I know you didn't write that film, but you directed it. And I'm curious, when you're directing somebody else's work or somebody else's writing, I should say, how do you find the beat and the aura of the film? You know, I think the... I'm very led by by images. So, you know, I think that's how I approach something, whether I'm writing it or whether I'm adapting somebody else's work. Yeah. You know, I always go to, you know, what is what is the what's the imagery at the heart of this movie? And uh for me, going into space was a big challenge because, you know, when you're designing spaceships, you kind of need you need a big idea, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, and Kubrick, obviously with 2001, he did the he talked to NASA and he did his big idea was let's do it for real. What, what would it really look like? Yeah. What would commuting to the moon really be like? You know, how do you create gravity? You know, Ridley Scott was, was very clever and very fortunate to have the work of Giga when he did alien. Yeah. So, you know, the look of the alien ship, the look of the alien itself, you know, was the distillation of, of one incredible artist's entire career, you know? So you had, a, you had the greatness of Giga in, in that, that movie and we needed we needed something similar and uh, you know at its heart i felt that that event horizon was a haunted house movie and it was a it was a gothic horror yeah so i thought well let's let's make a gothic movie i wasn't ready but in space and and that's what led me to the idea of you know going to one of the greatest gothic cathedrals in the world which is notre dame in paris and and looking at how that was built and i thought let's let's build a gothic spaceship so we we did a really interesting project, which was we built Notre Dame Cathedral in a computer, and then we took its constituent elements and then tried to create a spaceship out of it. Yeah. So it was like really messed up, fucked up Lego in yeah. a way. Yeah. And so so if you kind of look, if you kind of break apart the event horizon, you can see elements of of the Notre Dame Cathedral, whether it's the you know the thruster pods being like the towers whether it's the kind of antenna dishes kind of very much being no like idea. the gargoyles, awesome. the, 
the 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 very detailed kind of ironwork that goes down the length of the the middle of the event horizon, the superstructure is all based on designs from the stained glass windows in Notre Dame. So it's kind of like, and and then when you went to the interior sets, there were things like in the medical bay, you know, it had those very distinct pillars that kind of flare out at the top and the bottom. And that's a kind of Gothic design style because, you know, to make the pillars more load bearing, they would have to, you know, flare out at the top and the bottom. So, I mean, I, was it a practical way to build a spaceship? Probably no one will build a spaceship that looks like that. But certainly for building our kind of haunted house in space, it gave the movie an incredibly distinct feel. Well, it, I was not ready for that movie, Paul. I was not ready for that movie. I, I brought it home. I turned it because <laughs> I, I didn't see it in the theater. I, I saw it on, when it was on VHS. Turned it on and it, it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> it took a while to fall asleep that night and 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 I was 23 <laughs> then or 24 so I thought nothing was going to scare me anymore when it came to movies you know what I mean and that one did it cuz before that it was nightmare on elm street you know so it's 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 a great one it was it was very unsettling event horizon and it it you know for all the grotesquerie in it and the darkness in it you know it also left quite a lot to the imagination i mean yeah. a lot of people have told me the horrific things they've seen in that movie and I'm like, well, you know, I never shot that, <laughs> you know, so people are, you know, that that's the whole kind of theme of the movie, really, oh, that's is awesome. that, you know, the thing you find the scariest is your worst, is your own imagination. And no one knows what scares you better than you do. And, and quite often, you know, not showing things and cutting away from things, you know, can, can create a greater sense of dread than, than actually, you know, shoving it in people's faces. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Although we are we are guilty of that a little bit as well in okay. event. I mean, there's some pretty there's some pretty grotesque stuff in event, but there's the people have like told me in great detail of even more grotesque stuff that I'm like, you know what, I I didn't shoot that, and that's not in my movie. <laughs> although, although if I were to do the Snyder cut of it, perhaps I'd take that idea and run with it. It's like the Sinbad movie that everybody thinks they saw in the '90s that was never created. Do you know that <laughs> that whole thing? I have not heard. You ever heard that? Where people Sinbad fan as well. Yeah, there's you get there's like a genie movie that people. I I think it's actually a Shaquille O'Neal movie that came out, and people go, "No, no, it's not the Shaquille O'Neal one. Sinbad did one, and you can look it up online. You can Google it. It's crazy. It's a whole. It's become a whole myth because people Mm. believe that Sinbad made this movie in the '90s that was never created, and people will swear that it was done, and they can't find it. It's a lost movie. They say. But it's like, no, and when was that? It's like they, they think it's in the 90s. The 90s. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's kind of weird. <laughs> well, Paul, you know what, man? Thank you so much for taking your time today and, and dropping by and having a conversation. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope I can convince you to come back because I literally have like 30 more questions to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to, I'll, own, I wanna, I'll only answer 29. <laughs> well, I'll have to really, I'll flip a coin on the one we throw away. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. When can people see Monster Hunter and where, and where can they watch it? Well, if you're going to watch it in America, you can see it Christmas day, nice. 25th of uh, December. Nothing says the holidays more than giant monsters. That's right. That's right. All right, Paul. And you know, it really it really is a it's a it's a great big screen movie. You know, we sh- we shot on these amazing landscapes. We shot with these large format cameras that to capture them. We have these 50-foot monsters. You know, it's a great it's definitely a movie that if you can try and catch it in cinemas. Here here's a pro tip too for cinemas is if you can get like 20 of your friends together, you can rent out the whole theater for way cheaper than you think. Nice. And so they can go and they can rent the whole theater so they can avoid the whole COVID thing. They can do their social distancing and they can enjoy Monster Hunter on Christmas Day. That's the way to do it. <laughs> Fabulous. All right, Paul. Thank you so much. Really. I, I right, cheers, man. appreciate it. And we're back. We are back. Do you know, I was going to say this in the intro, but I decided to wait. Do you know that Mila Jovovich, we've actually talked about her on the show before. Mm-hmm. And the one time we talked about her, we were ta- you and I were talking about on the show about 
pronouncing people's names right mm-hmm. and how it's like you know whatever and i she was she was the example i brought up I was like well if we talked to Miliovich, would you say jovovich or jovovich would you would you try and pronounce it right and it was like it was it was our conversation about her name that made us both take into take more care in making sure we pronounce people's last like names as correctly as we could yeah is it jovovich <laughs> Or Jovovich. It's Jovovich, yeah. No, the, the J, uh, from my, when we looked it up, I remember that the J was, you know, it was, it was a silent J. Oh, dang it. Because I totally said Mila Jovovich. To him? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, you, you know, I mean, how lucky is Paul to get to work and make these amazing, these amazing movies, be passionate about his art, and then get to do it with his best friend? Right. That's in- incredible. I mean, how lucky is that? You don't, people don't, it's, it's a fairy tale. People don't get to do that. Right. It's a dream, man. You're working with somebody, you, you're your best friend and making movies you want to make and having fun with it. Who is just as passionate as you about what you're making. Right. And that's what makes it cool. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I love talking with Paul. I was a little bit of a geek. I was really excited. I, I, I don't know how many times I told him how, how good he is. Probably way <laughs> more than I should have. And well, I mean, for for those listening, this you know, Kenrick, Kenrick's been moving and out of the game for a while, and he came, he freshly set up in his new house and made sure this one happened. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I told him. I said, "I'm sorry if I sound a little echoey." He's like, "I have been in the worst claustrophobic places. I completely understand sound treatments." <laughs> Before we started the interview, and I'm like, oh, "I appreciate that. It's been it's been a crazy ride." So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited to see Monster Hunter though. Have you watched the trailers? I have. I, I, I I'm did on. Did you board. play the game? I'm fully on board with this movie. <laughs> did you play the game? I did a long time. I, mean, I played the original game, not the new ones. Yeah, um, but I love I love the old game. Yeah, and I'm excited. I've heard the new ones are a lot of fun. I just, I just don't play a lot of games these days. I don't. Yeah, I don't play a lot of games. I, I, I'm I'm pretty much stuck playing one game, and even right. with all the moving and everything, I haven't had a chance to even play it in the last like three weeks. So I haven't. I just really been playing games at all, but. I'm a huge fan of monster movies. Uh, yeah, me too. Even on, like, I love even cheesy ones on sci-fi. Not that, yeah. I, I, I love even the cheesy ones. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and, same. And when same. I see the big budget ones that really know how to pull it off, and Paul is very well known of being somebody who loves tactile over green screen as much as possible. Yep. So that means, and he goes into detail about this. He went into detail about this in the interview. But to reiterate, the fact that he went to all these exotic locations, that they were like 200 miles from any actual civilization in some of these areas. And they're sitting in tents. And, you know, that's just, that is real passion and real commitment to the craft, you know? Well, And you can tell a difference between somebody who goes on location and uses tactile and uses like, practical effects and practical scenery versus somebody yeah. who just shoots in a, in a studio. Yeah. Like you can tell a difference in the movie. Well, you can, sometimes you can, that studio work yeah. like Dracula, like Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. Yeah. Those sets were awesome looking and right. it made the feel of the movie that much more. I'm just talking about, I mean, you, you can tell that somebody's like shooting like 90% of the backgrounds, all green screen. Oh no. A hundred percent. Yeah. 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 But I'm just saying there's a time and place for, Everything. Is, and sometimes a, a movie like Sin City. Yep. That's all, you know, most of that is digital. Right. It's you know, it's basically a cartoon. <laughs> yeah. But you couldn't see that movie in any other way. They did it the way it, it should have been done. And, it, and it's awesome. Right. Looking, you know. Right. Right. But it's just certain directors just know what is correct and what how things should be done. And I think right. Paul is one of those guys, man. Like Resident Evil, when Resident Evil came out, I remember there was two sides, right? Either you loved it or you <laughs> hated it. And like you'll have the gamers that love the game and and, th- and that group of people either loved that movie or they hated that movie. I was in the camp of loving the movie. I Same. thought he captured the essence of that of that whole first video game pretty well. You know? I mean, it's very different in the first video game, but it's so good. It is very different, but... You know, it's it's, but it, but the essence is there. The spirit yeah. of the game I mean, it's, it's, is it's there. A, it's a completely different story, but they, well, they like captured the, the essence of what Resident Evil is. Yeah, and now that hallway scene with the lasers is iconic. It is, and the whole movie. I mean, I 
I remember when it came out. I remember going to see it in theaters and, and just loving it. I mean, I, I was a huge fan of the game. I mean, Resident Evil was one of the first games I got on, on my PlayStation, right, when yeah. it came out. Yeah. And that game legit scared me because I was, you know, I was a kid. I was, you know, like 14, Dude. 13, playing it in the dark. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And Dude, I, you think I was about the same it now, way. And it's like, it's like, oh, that's not scary. But no, I think about it when it came out, it was cutting edge and it's I me. still <laughs> want to play the first Resident Evil, but I don't want to spend the money on buying a whole PlayStation when I have an Xbox. Right. And I want to play the original. I don't know if it's available on the Xbox. I don't know. It's on, you, you can get it on your computer, but I don't know. You but know, it's not the same. Games. You know, that is a console game. It is. It is. You know what I mean? You got to have the, the the controller. You're sitting down. You're, you're relaxing. You're, you're, I remember playing that game. I'd get off work. It'd be like 1 a.m. when I got off work. And I'd go home. Yep. I'd get home by like 2. And my buddy would come down from his apartment because we lived in the same apartment complex. And he'd walk down to my apartment. And we'd play that game until 7 a.m. Every single day. For like oh, a month. And then it, we got to the point where we just couldn't figure out what to do anymore. We're like, I don't know what to do. Right. We're running around. And and then it ends up being that you had to open this book and take out the medallions and put them around the the the, uh, the yep. water fountain. And that opened I'm up a whole sure new. pretty sure that's where I got stuck too. And I'm pretty sure everybody gets stuck there. I didn't know what to do. Dude, it was. So that game came out, what, 95, I think it was. I didn't Something beat like it until like yeah. 2001 because I had to look it up on the internet. <laughs> You know, I broke out my old was, PlayStation, wanted to play that game, play Resident <laughs> Evil, got to that point, And I was like, I don't know what to do. I totally, I, this is where I got stuck before. And I even had my old saved game, <laughs> you know? And I was like, I don't know See, what I, to do. I had, I, I had a subscription to PSM at the time and there was a walkthrough guide in PSM and I had, and luckily I had played and I got stuck there for a long time. And then the PSM came out with the walkthrough guide and I looked there and like, oh, that's what I have to do. I, I was able to you know, get past it. I had it, the and, like, book on me. I had everything I needed to go on. I just didn't. I just didn't go into the uh, item inventory, look at the book, and and hit. I think you had to hit look at book or open book or whatever. Yeah, because it just didn't. It never because I I forgot I even had it on me. You know what I mean? Like it didn't even dawn on me to open that thing up. So I would spend hours <laughs> just going from area to area to area, going, "Where do I go? What do I do?" Right. <laughs> And then finally, I just got frustrated. Did I beat the game? Is it done? Is that it? (laughs) Exactly. Then it's like, and then it was like years later, because I didn't have PS, I didn't even know about PSM. I, 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 years later, I I, I had Nintendo Power back in the day, but yeah. Years later, on the internet, man, playing it. And then I was like, God dang, I'm stuck again. And then (laughs) going on the internet, I'm like, what do I do? And then so I was like, oh, you opened the book and I never forget it because I call my buddy James. I'm like, dude, he's like, Oh yeah, I know. I did that <laughs> like a year ago. I'm like, Oh, well thanks for sharing, man. <laughs> so tell me punk. It's funny. That's hilarious. I it's, love uh, that he talked about event horizon. Yeah. Because, uh, that movie. So the, the movie that scared the shit out of me when I was a kid was a nightmare in Elm street. Then, right. cause I was like 11 or so when it came out and then, Years later, you know, you don't get scared when you're in your 20s anymore, you know, but right, that right. movie legit scared the shit out of me. You know what I mean? I had a hard time falling asleep that night after watching <laughs> Event Horizon. It just freaked me out. It just freaked. It was just freaky. You know what I mean? I wasn't is, ready for it. it. I thought it was going to be like some kind of sci-fi kind of alien kind of movie, you know? Right. And it wasn't. It was it's Haunted not. House in Space, and it was just yep. done really, really well, and I love the fact that they went to uh, Notre Dame, Notre Dame, Nostra. What the hell? Notre Dame. <laughs> Nostratu. <laughs> yeah, Nostratu. I love the fact they went to Notre Dame to get that gothic feel and then modeled that that ship after the towers yeah. of Notre Dame. I, I was like, I had no That's idea. Cool. He's telling us, you know, to me, it was like I felt like I was peering in to right. his creative process of making that movie because I never knew that stuff. Getting some inside baseball there. <laughs> exactly inside the NFL, inside baseball. Right, <laughs> I've been using that term a lot lately. For some reason, it's been, it's been stuck in my head. <laughs> it's like when Kevin Smith said, "Doing the Lord's work," and then I was stuck for like a month. So, oh, you're doing right. the Lord's work. It's like, God dang it! <laughs> <laughs> well, man, that was awesome. He was he, he was great. I hope he comes back on sometime and chats again because that was a. I mean, I, I was I wanted to be on that one with you, uh, but it fell like right in the middle of making dinner, and I was couldn't do that <laughs> well i told him i was like 
dude, I want you to come back on because I have like 30 more questions. And I did. I had a bunch of questions for him. Like I didn't get a chance to ask him about uh, what his parents thought of him wanting to make movies, you know, because that's got to be one of those careers that when you tell your mom and dad, I want to make movies for a living, that they're going, oh, my God, you're going to be poor your whole life. You, you know what well, I mean? I guess, I, guess, I guess you're moving back in. <laughs> right, right. And I was just kind of curious in, in what they thought about that. And just some more, not overtly personal stuff, because sometimes you don't want to get too personal, but really just to get to know Paul a little bit better, because he is so nice and so yeah. open. And I was just like, man, I said, I got like 30 more questions, so hopefully we can get you back on. He goes, okay, but I'll only answer 29. <laughs> And I, said, I said, perfect. We'll, we'll coin flip that last one out. There you go. I like it. We'll do it. So, all right, man. Well, that's a show. That is a show. Thanks for joining us yeah. on the ride that is Paul W.S. Anderson. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it, you know, I got to say, honestly, I'm ready for me myself to go into the whole out spiel that I've been doing solo for a while. But now I realize that you're here. So I got to, you know, I got to split up the work. I was like, I can't do it all. I'm not doing the whole, like, if you, if you enjoyed this and go through the whole thing, I'm like, wait, no, Kendrick's here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it, speaking of that, <laughs> if you did enjoy that and you want to hear more from people like Paul, then go check it out because we have um, a lot of amazing, amazing interviews over at spoilerverse.com. Not only does Spoiler Country have tons of great stuff, but all the other podcasts that are hosted there. Uh, I think you'll find a lot of cool things that you'll enjoy. You will, and you'll find articles and reviews and previews and tons of cool stuff up there. And like Robert from Britain Kingdom is doing up tons of new stuff right now, like breaking news of castings and, and stuff, which is pretty awesome. And so uh, we got tons of other shows and people writing up there. We got a store where you can buy a t-shirt or a hoodie or a face mask and look fly as hell and help support <laughs> all of us as a whole. You know, no one's laughed at me saying that in the, like three weeks now. Now you're back on art and laughing <laughs> saying fine hell again. So it's back to normal, I guess. Um, and, you know, also go to scpod.us slash discord and join our public discord server where we're going to even chat with all of us there and uh, be a part of some uh, some fun giveaways we're going to do soon. There you go. There you go. All right, guys. I think we're out of here. I hope you really enjoyed that. But don't forget, in an oceans of podcasts, we are Cthulhu. As Cthulhu compels you to do, open the mind. Oh my god. And read more. <laughs> <laughs> no one thought of that either. And now it's back to this. This is <laughs> open the <mind. laughs> Yes! <laughs>